Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, this is actually our final show for a while. We're going to take a break from Packers Unscripted from now until shortly before the draft. We will be back with uh, with more episodes as we get closer to draft time. But because this is our last show for a while, I want to uh, kind of do a post-combine draft preview, I guess you might say, as far as the Green Bay Packers are concerned. And I know the fans are very anxious, very curious to see what the Packers are going to do on the defensive side of the ball in this upcoming draft. I know a lot of talk is about pass rushers and cornerbacks. Do you have a, a, a priority list, so to speak, in terms of the positions and how the Packers go about this? Or what, what's your view of the approach? That's here? a great question, Mike. I guess my approach to this would be go pass rusher early. Uh, I'm not saying that it has to be at 14, but the Packers also pick at 45. So I just think in the first two rounds you got to get a pass rusher. And the reason I say that is it's not necessarily even because it's like, well, you have to replace Clay Matthews or Nick Perry. You just got to add to that rotation. Yep. You got to get deeper there. Yep. I think Reggie Gilbert's a really fine young prospect. You know, adding Vince Spiegel last year was good, but then he got hurt. Um, they just need more options there because it's not just what you can do on the boundary. It's, it's how you can be used in other ways, too, in the sub packages and rushing inside like they did with Julius Peppers. So for me, that's an emphasis. And, and hearing what people have said about this draft class, I think there's some really solid prospects. We already outlined some of them that can be had probably in those first 50 to 75 picks. It, and again, I'm Wes Hodkowitz. <laughs> Not my title to be GM, but I just think that this is a really good opportunity for the Packers to potentially add another edge rusher into that equation. Yeah, and we'll see if the thoughts change over the next several weeks. But the other thing that we're hearing is that uh, a lot of draft ex- experts saying, as far as the edge rusher type of position goes, not a whole lot of depth in this draft class. Last year, I believe it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 to 20 total edge rushers were drafted over the course of the of the seven rounds they're not talking about that type of depth at at that position in this draft so if you like one and he's there early when you pick you might need to get him because I don't know if a guy like a Vince Beagle is going to be there on day three yeah and and there's there's some analysis that Brian Gutekunst and his his scouts are going to have to run in terms of trying to calculate the value of these guys who's looking at which players, where these guys could potentially fall, because this is an opportunity to pick at 14, uh, and you don't want to overdraft a guy just because you need somebody at that position. Right. You want to be able to find the right fit. Unfortunately, to my on my eye, and again, one man's opinion here, but it doesn't seem like cornerback is a spot either. That 14 just has a guy that's screaming to be taken inside that, that mark. There, there just isn't someone of that level, I don't think. Good prospects, but probably a little bit more on the deeper side than what edge rusher is in terms of where you could get a potential playmaker. The Packers have had success before finding those kind of guys in the middle rounds. Could go, and we'll talk about this shortly, offense is certainly on the table as well. I just think, as we've talked about during this whole process, picking that early, that they're going to be, you know, have a lot less projection and I don't want to call it a guesstimation in terms of who's going to be available at, like, let's say, 27, 28, 29. Sure. It changes the game for Brian Gutekunst, but it also is something you have to keep in mind, too, is that you want to make sure you get the right value there. So whether that's trading, whether that's finding a player there, 
it's going to be an interesting game the Packers will have to play. Yeah, and we'll see. Uh, you mentioned the the cornerback position, and obviously it depends on who's available and, and how the draft falls in those first 13 picks than when the Packers are on the clock at pick number 14. But just a, an illustration of where the league is headed um, and and really what uh, what teams value right now. It wouldn't surprise me at all if for the third time in the last four years, Demarius Randall, Kevin King, that the Packers potentially use their first pick again thir- three times in four years at the cornerback spot. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, there's a reason why we're talking, Mike, about quarterbacks getting $30 million a year now, <laughs> and it's because it's a pass-oriented league, and, and that's where everything starts. You need to have guys that are going to be able to combat that. Packers had a lot of success success for a number of years and it's not to say they're not doing it now but where they found the the Sam Shields of the world you know an undrafted free agency you had a guy like Tremont Williams get signed over after spending time on the Houston Texans practice squad right. to become a pro bowl cornerback they signed you know Charles Woodson who was at at that point not really a downturn but really hadn't been the kind of player that he sort of made his name on so I don't want to say the Packers got lucky but they they really lightning struck quite a few times in a row and they had a lot of success with it and the defense thrived it's getting more difficult to find that though because with how spread out these defenses are getting teams need four capable cornerbacks at any given time yeah it's not just a two-corner league anymore and I think for that reason you see teams not just the Green Bay Packers having to use those early round draft picks to find a guy that'll fit in because in most cases Mike they're gonna have to play as a rookie yeah and then you know you have just one or two injuries and suddenly you're going to the fifth and the sixth Changes cornerback the on your roster against uh, against those dime packages and yeah it's it, it really is the position where you can never have enough not enough and not enough versatility as well yeah. all right well with that we're going to toss to a break back with more on Packers unscripted right after this welcome back to Packers unscripted Mike Spofford right here Wes Hodkowitz all the way over there, Wes, offensive side of the ball here in terms of a draft preview for the Packers. There's uh, a long-term need, I think, at wide receiver. We've talked about, you know, who's the next Jordy Nelson? Can the Packers find that kind of guy in this draft to pair with Devontae Adams maybe long-term? Tight end, a position the Packers have right now, as of, as of the time we're taping this episode, have only Lance Kendricks and Emmanuel Bird under contract at the position. Offensive guard, the Jari Evans situation, don't know at this point if he's coming back or not. The Packers may have an open starting spot there. I think the one position the Packers maybe aren't, aren't necessarily concerned about offensively um, in this draft is running back because of the three picks taken last year. You also have the backup quarterback situation. Will some right. competition be brought in for, uh, for Brett Hundley, something Mike McCarthy indicated at the Combine he'd like to do? What do you see as, uh, you know, do you have a, a priority, you know, have you prioritized the list on the offensive side of the ball here? Well, here's the thing, Mike, and, and I know I, I caught some flack from fans due to my viewpoints on Saquon Barkley before <laughs> the combine. I am a big enough man to admit when I'm wrong, and I'll <laughs> say this. If Saquon Barkley's there at 14, that is rather enticing. I know he had the intangibles. That's why everybody was asking about it, and I got into this big fight about, well, then he's not a top-five player anymore. But here's the thing. That combine he put together, he's not going to be there. (laughs) So the question really becomes, Mike, 
with probably, I would guess, at least three, maybe four quarterbacks being taken before number 14, who's going to fall here? Do, do you, I mean, because you can't take them all. Somebody's got to be available yeah. at 14. So, yeah. you know, where does Quentin Nelson come off the board? Uh, where, you know, although there isn't really a big, you know, receiver prospect this year that's like demanding top five, top ten attention, there are some good ones in this draft class as well. And then also... Depending on how patient you are, what you want to, you know, really prioritize. There's some good tight end prospects that you and I have really talked about as well. So, to me, outside looking in, it just seems like that 14th pick, that first round pick, is destined to be defense. But there are enough offensive players available in those first 15 to 20 picks that Brian Gutekunst is going to have a lot of things to consider as well. Yeah, and when you look at, obviously, how the the rest of the draft lays out, the Packers have their picks in the first three rounds. And then on the third day of the draft, rounds four through seven, there are going to be nine selections. I mean, I see the Packers in one in some way, shape, or form addressing offensive line, tight end, wide receiver. You know, uh, We'll talk a little bit later on about just how many picks maybe we think the Packers are going to actually end up making with regards to 12. But there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of spots to fill here, and uh, and you know you look at the quarterback position. Like I said, Brett Hundley was a fifth round pick a few years ago. Mike McCarthy talked about wanting to bring in more competition. We don't know if that's going to come through free agency with signing a veteran to compete with Hundley for the backup job, right. or if the Packers are going to invest a, another draft pick in a quarterback and and let him duke it out with Hundley for preseason playing time and, and see who really should be the number two guy in 2018. Yeah, and, and then that's a kind of a little bit of a puzzle, too, a little bit of a catch-22 uh, as well, because you kind of have to decide what you're looking for then if you go back into the draft because if you draft a guy that's strictly based on potential and upside, it's going to be tough for that young man to really push Brett Hundley for that job in year one. Right. Maybe down the road could become a viable option. But then do you look at maybe a Matt Flynn-type quarterback who had ample experience, could potentially push him, but what's his upside? What is hit the long game with him? Mm-hmm. That's a question the Packers will have to answer. You mentioned the offensive line. Really, there was only one time in Ted Thompson's tenure as GM they didn't draft an offensive lineman. Yeah. It was 2015, and it really came back to bite them. It was a mistake. You definitely want to keep that going because when you have to have five of those guys on the field at all times, you don't have another option. You have to have guys that could potentially fit in at different spots. Everybody that they've taken recently, Michael, and then some of the guys that they haven't that have come in as street free agents like Justin McCray have had to play multiple positions behind that starting offensive line. Those guys are playing a 1,000 snaps a season. It's tough. Not everybody's going to do what Corey Lindsley did this year, going pillar to post the entire season, being able to stay on the field. And then from the receiver position, just briefly to touch on that, I don't know what the Packers' plans are there. Certainly you have things to determine to figure out with Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and the like. But it has been some time since the Packers have really taken a receiver. Uh, I think it, correct me if I'm wrong, is it 2014, or 2000 uh, with, with Trevor Davis? Trevor Davis in, in the fifth well. round out of Cal. Yep. Yeah, so early rounds, could you be looking at that again like they did in 2014 with Devontae Adams? Something to consider as well. But certainly with those 12 picks, and we'll get into this shortly, it gives them different options if they want to move up, if there's a guy they like, and certainly if they want to stand pat, they're going to end up with a lot of prospects as well. Yeah, we've talked obviously about the success at the wide receiver position, finding guys in the second round, you know, Jennings, Nelson, Cobb, Adams, James Jones was a third-round yeah. pick. It, you know, the way things look, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen contract-wise right now with Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, but it just seems to me that, you know, if there's a receiver prospect there that you see as potentially the next Devontae Adams, 
Adams or the next Jordy Nelson, I got to believe the Packers are going to pull the trigger and, and set the, set up Aaron Rodgers for, you know, the, the four and five and six years beyond yeah. here that, that would coincide with the extension they just gave to Devontae Adams. It's the mirror match. We talked about the cornerbacks, yeah. right? You need four of them, five of them. It is the same thing with the receivers because as we saw this past season with Geronimo Allison, the game he had against the Cincinnati Bengals, you're going to need to turn to different guys at different times, and then those guys have to be ready for that moment. Yeah, all right. With that, we'll throw it to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. Okay, Wes, so everybody's wondering who exactly is going to be there for the Packers at the 14th pick in the first round. And, of course, if we knew that, we wouldn't be sitting here, no. I don't think. We'd <laughs> be, uh, have other things to do. But um, I've said this before, and coming back from the combine did not change my feeling on this. It really it all comes down to these quarterbacks. There are four quarterbacks being talked about as being drafted in the first round. Josh Allen from Wyoming, Sam Darnold from USC, Josh Rosen from UCLA, and Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma. If there's a run on quarterbacks with these teams at the top of the draft where they're trying making sure that they get their guy and maybe there will even be some trades and some jockeying for position and whatnot – Essentially, when you're not in the market for a first-round cornerback or quarterback, excuse me, which the Packers are not, all of a sudden the 14th overall pick looks like the 10th overall sure. pick. In essence, Absolutely. when you take take those quarterbacks, um, and in those in those spots, but if those quarterbacks don't go in the top half of the first round, everything changes in terms of in terms of teams taking that you know best player available and not just drafting the quarterback because that's the guy they really really need quarterbacks are the guys who who always dictate how these how these first rounds of the draft can go yeah absolutely because you're going to get guys that if you put them up on a board as far as their grade they might not necessarily be a top five or top ten or even a first round pick in some cases but yet they're the top at their position or they're the top available at that position in teams, general managers, there's pressure right from the moment that you get a job. If, if you're going into a situation where the quarterback position is unsettled, yep. that's your number one objective. And you, you look at right now the position a lot of these guys are in. I think I think last year with Ryan Pace and what the Chicago Bears did is sort of really emblematic of how much of a struggle this is to find <laughs> the man. I mean, they're trading up one spot. They're trading draft picks. They're trading assets to move up for a guy that very well might have been there yeah. if they just waited for 15 minutes. But, now, he might not have, right? but he very well could have and, been. And, and Pace just wasn't willing to take the chance because he was sold on the fact that Mitch Trubisky was, was the quarterback of the future for the Chicago Bears, and uh, he, was going to, he was going to get him come hell or high water. Yeah, and I say. think it's also the defining moment on the other side of it, too. I think John Lynch really got his, you know, sprinted out of the gate with those moves, being able to move back and then trading a second rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo. So yep. Yep. Uh, this is the game that teams have to play, uh, not to keep bringing that up. But, I mean, this is ultimately, Mike, the game within the actual game mm -hmm. in terms of trying to figure out how all these things are going to play out because it's really just a giant, massive game of poker. Guys are holding their cards. Stuff gets leaked out. You know, so-and-so is looking at this guy or this team or whatever – we don't really know until that draft night happens. 
But the one thing, the constant is, and you can ask any GM in the NFL about this, the more picks you have, the more real opportunity there is to make sure you get the most value out of those picks, whether it's moving up, moving back, or staying where you are. Yeah, and the one thing we're not hearing so much about, and again, the draft is, what, seven weeks away, so a lot of things can change. But we're not hearing so much about the uh, these franchise left tackle types yeah. necessarily, like up in the top ten. So when you look at – Orlando you, Brown helped with that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that was certainly a factor. So yeah. you look at this. If, if you got the four quarterbacks, you know Saquon Barkley is going to be picked. Most likely Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame. Yeah. He's really considered the top offensive lineman in the entire draft. If he, if, if he is picked – and then the only uh, the Those only other one, too. yeah, I mean, you you mentioned at wide receiver. There is some talk about the Bears at number eight because they have such a glaring need at wide receiver that maybe they would take Calvin Ridley from yeah, Alabama that sure. high. So if all of that happens, that's I believe seven guys that I've rattled off: the four quarterbacks, the guard, the running back, and the wide receiver. So. In essence, if you're if you're looking at defensive guys, the Packers could get a guy who's really one of the top seven or eight defensive players sure. in this entire draft. That's uh, you know that's very attractive. But again, you just don't know how it's necessarily going to fall. And as you talked about, that's how it happened in 2009. That's how B.J. Raji ultimately fell into their lap. I I, t- I kind of jumped over there, but I really would be very surprised if either Fitzpatrick or James are are available at 14. Yeah, I, I would guys, think those guys are coming off the board then too. Yep. And if Hurst doesn't have out of Michigan doesn't have the heart condition, I think he was pretty much locked in to be a top ten or top twelve guy. So who's still there? And in seeing exactly, we can talk until we get blue in the face <laughs> about certain prospects. Inevitably, there's somebody who falls on draft night for one reason or another. Yep. That sometimes we know, sometimes it's it's known why this guy potentially his stock is falling. Sometimes we don't. Yeah. Sometimes it just happens because the medical tests don't get out there in the media. Things don't get leaked. So that's the fascinating part of this to watch. And for the Packers, there were so many years where they just had to wait where all these dominoes were falling to actually start to make heads or tails of this thing. This year it's going to happen a yeah. lot earlier. Yeah, you're in a different spot for sure. With that, we'll toss it to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford next to Wes Hodkowitz. Okay, Wes, this is it. Final segment here before a bit of a break, and then we will I come back shortly before the draft. i to catch my plane down to Florida. Okay. <laughs> the Packers are going into this with 12 picks. You've got your one pick in every round. That's seven, yeah. four compensatory picks, an extra fourth, two extra fifths, and an extra sixth, and then an extra seventh because of the uh, Laurenti McRae trade from a couple years ago. So 12 picks. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of selections to potentially make. There could be some trades here and there. How many picks do you think the Packers will actually make? I bet they make ten. Is my prediction? Okay, so I you're bet. thinking some trades up. I wonder if, if for no other reason, I wonder if Brian Gutekunst is going to do what Ted Thompson always did, and and that's make sure you don't actually have to pick in the seventh round. <laughs> uh, Thompson, that was actually one thing that very quietly he did during his reign as GM. Uh, he always seemed to part with those seventh-round picks, and if you follow the game close enough, 
one of the reasons you do that is because it allows you sometimes to get a head start on the undrafted free agents. Yeah, you're wor- you're working the phones with yeah. those undrafted guys and trying to convince them to sign right. as soon as the draft ends. So it sometimes I think can be kind of a weight and counterbalance thing of trying to figure out which guys you're going to have a real legitimate chance at getting and which guys you're not. The Packers drafted Jeff Janis with their seventh rounder in 14 because I think one of the thought processes was it wasn't a lock that they were going to be able to get him as a UFA. Right. So that's that's something to keep in mind. But the one thing Thompson always did, he always threw those in when the, all these deals. I mean, go back and look at how many seventh-round picks the Patriots probably got out of the Packers over the years <laughs> with all the deals that Belichick and Thompson swung. So I, I bet they end up with 10. I thought the best comment out of the combine came from John Schneider. Now, they don't have a second and third round this year, I believe. Yeah, they're um, missing last both year, of those. They didn't have a first round. And he mentioned just how challenging that is, how it really shifts everything as for, in terms of your philosophy. It, he he likes the challenge. He said it allows you to, makes you get a little more more creative with how you're going to make this all work. But he comes from that Ron Wolf tree, <laughs> yeah. and the fewer swings at the bat you have, the fewer chances you have for a hit. And this isn't an average base league. It's a hit base league, yeah. and you got to find guys. And this is a, a big opportunity, I think, for Brian Kudekust. And even hearing him talk about it, he's excited about it. Yeah, and so you say 10 picks. I'm going to say 11. I, okay. think, uh, I think he's going to... I think there's going to be some maneuvering, and we may see multiple trades both up and back. But I have I have a feeling I just I just don't see them necessarily taking 12 players. But I'm not sure they're going to be enough trades up to end up with only like nine or ten. So I guess I'll say 11 just to be a little different. For I them. would be absolutely stunned if the Packers just drafted 12 players in all 12 and, spots and stayed and stayed have. in all. Yeah, there's I, I don't see that. That happening. wasn't Thompson's way. For as much as people think he was conservative, he moved around a lot. There was one draft I remember, and I can't remember 2010. Exa- that was he the stayed. one he stayed at every spot and it was it, everybody was just stunned yeah. like how come there aren't any trades but, but uh, Brian yeah. Gutekunst was in those personnel departments I expect him to move a little bit alright I expect that as well but with that we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted and sign off for a little while though we will be back with you shortly before the NFL draft in late April with that he's Wes Hodkowitz I'm Mike Spofford thanks for watching everybody see you next time